final frontier. Welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic, the podcast where we drink and discuss nerdy fiction, and we ignore our feelings about the Buffalo Bills' disappointing loss by comfort-watching 90s Star Trek episodes. I'm sorry. I'm Adam. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. (sighs) Speaking of avoiding feelings and self-soothing with things, we're doing something a little different tonight. We're revisiting Star Trek The Next Generation. If you follow us on social, you'll know that we watched The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and 2, which is Season 3, Episodes 26, and Season 4, Episode 1, Cliffhanger Ending, Motherfucker. The Measure of a Man, Season 2, Episode 9. Yesterday's Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 15. Chain of Command, Season 6, Episodes 10 and 11. Inner Light, Season 5, Episode 25. And Deja Q, Season 3, Episode 13. Got all that? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I watched the fuck out of my free Paramount Plus week. That's for sure. <laughs> Suck it, Paramount. Anyways, sorry, please don't please don't cease and desist us. Uh, so as a part of revisiting our OG sci-fi classic, we watched all those. But our conversation won't be limited to just those episodes. So have no fear if you didn't start your free trial like I did of Paramount Plus. Just rewatch. But first... If you want to help out this little endeavor of ours, consider following us on YouTube. We're trying something different on our socials, and we're looking for a new home. Hmm. Now that Twitter has become the hell space Elon Musk hope it would be. You can find us by searching for Nerds of Old Republic or clicking the link in the show notes. We're still going to be on Twitter, but we're going to get a little space. We got till June, till Trump comes back. Rumor has it. Start making your plans now, guys. We are opening with so much depressing shit today. <laughs> I, you know what? Because it's all uphill from here. Damn, folks, you don't you don't even know how Go great Sabres. my basement Go smells Sabres. right now. Go Sabers. That's right. Uh, do you want more nineties nostalgia goodness in your life? Check out our next cast, where we each pick our favorite sci-fi TV shows from what is the dawn of my life. That's right. I just outed myself. Hit us up on any social media, despite what I just said. Or you could just old-fashioned email. That's a thing. We're at ner- or we are nerds of old republic at gmail.com backslash Sean. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa. Well, I was gonna just tell people they can send their uh, their Pepsi points to PO Box. Uh... <gasps> Pepsi points. Yeah. Oh, I remember Pepsi points. This is gonna be a nostalgia filled month. For I us, did so. try to bring Crystal Pepsi for our little spread tonight, mm. but I don't think I make it anymore. You no, know, I, I found Crystal Pepsi back in like the early two thousands, and I yeah. looked at it and How'd I was like, go? "Is there dust on it?" Like <laughs> even then, that was late. That That's was like crazy. That's like when you go to an antique place and they're like, "I've got this." 1970 coca-cola and you're like yeah sure yeah sure i'm not yeah. gonna buy that for 97 dollars <laughs> well, or whatever as a backup i brought some jolt yeah so... was a mountain dew red alert <laughs> <laughs> and some snapple and we're gonna mix it all together oh. in a big bucket oh, oh 90s juice <laughs> oh. for those of you who live in the uh, greater buffalo area that's right i'm calling it the gba uh, there Goodbye. is a laser tag place that used to have the Lasertron special, which is essentially just everything from the soda fountain mixed into one cup. 
and oh, that's so what I think of when I think of 90s drinks. Yeah, my kids are at that phase where they do that, where they get like one of those fountains where you can pour your own. And they're like, yeah. oh, try this combination. I'm like, that's yeah. just disgusting. It's pretty nasty. You know what, though? Yeah. I see that because it's the Coca-Cola dispensers. It's got like 191 choices or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> Let's go. Wasn't that how Dr. Pepper was made? Yeah, it was. So really, Dr. Pepper is like a third of that challenge. <laughs> uh, so you guys don't know this yet. I kind of intentionally hid the drink for today. But in season five, episode 14, named Conundrum, everyone's memory is wiped and Data thinks he's a bartender. After playing Tori or Troy in 3D chess, he makes her this drink that we're about to have. No mm. shit. Yes. I the thought old. you were going to pull out the Romeo and Ale there. I actually had a recipe for Romeo and Ale, but it's basically a gin fizz with a egg white float on top, and oh. that's fucking disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's no. gross. No. Um, but the only thing I can't do is make it turn from green, from clear to green to red. That's the only thing I can't do. Everything else is the same. All right. Fuck. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. We tried. I searched liquor.com. I, I called many different chemical places, and they're like, well, if you want to die. I was like, well. <laughs> what are you willing to do for the cast, Adam? I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I thought about it. I right. thought about it. All right. So this is of- officially called a Sumerian Sunset. Ooh. Um, I'm going to need about four minutes to mix it up, so we'll catch everyone on the other slide. Just, just keep it rolling, Mike. And I'll just All right. Keep no, it I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, we are back with our Sumerian sunset, which, because I don't have computer-generated graphics that just happen over the top of our drinks, it's essentially a lot of rum, lemon juice, lime juice, Mm. grapefruit, and um, sparkling water, simple syrup. Very pungent bouquet at first, but then the second sniff, it, like, settles down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'd agree with that. All right. Well, cheers, gents. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. What do they wait? What do the Klingons say? Fuck. Yummy. Kerpla. Kerpla. <laughs> Kerpla. It's a good day to drink. Yeah. That, this would be a good beach drink. That's what yeah. I thought yeah. of. That's and the coconut rum in there. It's Absolutely. the coconut rum. I was a yeah. little surprised that this was the recipe for a Star Trek beverage, but it tracks. What was the source of the uh, recipe? Uh, liquor.com. Hmm. So Sounds I figured that they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. Now, in the show, was it alcohol or was it synthahol? I believe it was synthahol because there's no actual alcohol in space. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. They're just like, is it like like near beer, you know, like yeah. mocktails they're just drinking for the, like to make it look like they're having a good adult time? Well, it's sort of like when, you know, they, they don't get paid a salary or do anything with money and yet somehow they gamble and yeah. they all yeah, are like, is. no, this is too rich for my blood. Like, what the fuck yeah. does that mean? Put all your chips in the middle of the table on every hand. But without real alcohol, how is Riker getting laid so much? That's a good point. I mean, damn. It's the just beard, man. sheer charisma. The beard. He, yeah. He's a good looking guy but he always looks pissed yeah i mean ladies like a scowl wuthering heights i forgot to do it oh here we go oh <laughs> sitting in, what, what are we the doing the riker oh yeah yeah <laughs> the riker maneuver He's some, he does something <laughs> with the leg going over the top as yeah, he comes that's, in. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, tall chair he right comes, there yeah he comes at a different <laughs> angle swings the leg over yeah. superfluously. He does it so confidently. Jonathan Frakes yeah. had them actually take the top of that chair down so he could make it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he cut the legs off or something. <laughs> right. So yeah. it seems like we're all ready to go talk about personal histories here. Um, when Mike proposed some 90s sci-fi love, I 
like was so happy that we mentioned Star Trek Next Generation because there's so much bound up in like my early life, like hanging out, watching it with my dad. Like, yeah, we did some of the like originals with, um, uh, what's his name now? Um, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. Yeah. Thanks. I was actually trying to think of the actor's name, but, um, it's been a long day. The Shat. The Shat. <laughs> the Shat. There's something. <laughs> On the <laughs> yeah, we did some of that, but um, a lot of it was next generation. You know, it was just the right time for me to be like watching TV with, you know, old enough to enjoy, understand a lot of the things, but like not so old that I understood a lot of the things. Um, but I got a lot of like the social commentary. I understood a lot of like the what makes a person. Um, and I think it kind of like planted some of the maybe even the the early cyberpunk love for me because you know like data is one of my favorites like i know i'm getting ahead of myself but is one of my favorites and a lot of it is because it is like what makes a person a person and and figuring out what to be a human and i think also because i was like late elementary early middle middle school and then i think it maybe ended right around the time i was in high school so you're figuring out like what does it mean to be a person and i'm doing it alongside this robot on tv so kind (laughs) of it worked it worked for me how about you guys well, uh, my earliest memory of Star Trek The Next Generation is when I was a really, really little kid. Now, this show went on the air in 87, was it? I think it was 1987 or 88, one of the two. So I would have been, I mean, I would have been kindergarten, first grade maybe. I can remember being at my grandparents' house, being babysat. And uh, I don't know if it just happened to be on the TV or if my grandfather put it on. I don't, I don't know if he was a Trek fan mm-hmm. Thumbs up. It was 87. 87. Nice. Yep. Um, so, says yes. So, um, but I, I can ver- very vividly to this day, remember in my head, I can remember like this image. It was like on some planet and in like adverse like conditions, it was dark and stormy and Jordy LaForge was in it. Mm. I just remember seeing the guy with the visor mm. and I uh, was already at that point in my life, a big star Wars fan. So this immediately caught my attention. I don't think I really started watching it though till a couple years after it, uh, after this memory. I, uh, you know, was still pretty young and um, I just was aware that it was a show. But once I picked it up in the early 90s, probably, I was like a fucking disciple of it for the rest yeah. of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny, it's come back in stages. Like, I remember watching it right through till the show ended, like religiously. I can remember commercials for like the new episode coming out. Um, I can remember it always being annoying because my father was a police officer who worked four to 12 and he would come home right in the middle of star Trek, the next generation. And it was a big thing. You couldn't have the TV under and family dinner and it was fucking devastating. Um, I remember coming like in the early nineties into, or I'm sorry, the late nineties into the early two thousands, like they started showing a lot of reruns. And, uh, I remember, like you said, you watched it with your father. I remember my mm-hmm. father now being home in the evenings and we would watch it together then. Um, you know, a little bit in college, I watched it. It's, it's been on and off Netflix once or twice over the years. And so it's become like a late night show of choice for me. Um, if I'm up and I can't sleep, that's generally what I put on. Mm-hmm. Or if I happen to see a marathon on, cause they do those from time to time. Um, but yeah, I was, I always called myself a closet nerd in the nineties. I didn't show it outwardly. I was a hockey player. But behind the scenes, I was a diehard Star Wars fan and a very, very, very close second was Star Trek The Next Generation. You are a man of mixed loyalties. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> I'm all over the place. There's no consistency. I've never watched the show. 
No, yeah. this yeah. is brand new. This, <laughs> Still this, hasn't. This was Sean's <laughs> Ghostbusters. No, I, uh, I have a very similar take, I guess. My, um, my mom's father was really into the original uh, Star Trek, and it would be reruns. We'd watch it as over at his house, and... You know, it was like, oh, what the fuck is this? You know, and I never really mm-hmm. caught on to that, but my mom kind of became a Trek fan through her dad. And then when Next Generation came out, she was really into it. So I'd watch it with her and, um, kind of grew up with it. Like the same thing, I guess, like Adam was saying, I had that, you know, learn a lot about the world and morality. And it makes the, I think the best thing about Star Trek is it kind of creates a critical thinker from you and it makes you kind of question things, which I thought was really cool about it. But honestly, the best stuff was like the space battles and the military side of things. I thought was really neat. I always loved the, um, uh, just like they go to, you know, some weird ass premise thing and they got to kind of use science to figure it out or they got to, mm-hmm. you know, like use their bravado to figure it out sometimes or they got to use some other human side of them to solve the problem. And I thought that was kind of cool. But um, I think. I don't know. It was just neat. Like LeVar Burton was on it. And I'm like, oh, it's the reading rainbow guy. (laughs) Yeah. Or um, you talked about data. He was uh, a reoccurring star on, or a guest star on uh, night court, the original night court, the good night court. Hmm. And uh, I remember going like, I know that guy. And then just kind of like putting that stuff together and like recognizing people who were sort of in different television media, then they kind of coalesced around star Trek. I thought was kind of cool. So um, where, what do you guys think? about your rewatch. I know we, we try to pick best ofs and uh, Mike found a really solid list. Like I remember watching each of these episodes as we went through them. Do you want to just start with what I mentioned at the beginning, just best of both worlds and kind of move down the list that way? Sure. Or yeah. do you want to just yeah. kind of free flow it? Doesn't, uh, uh, I don't know. Do do it it's not necessarily a chronological thing, right? It's no, just they're not of, chronological. Uh, if we go that it doesn't way. need to be. All right. So, um, I have to tell you, I started with Deja Q because I, I remember. I the same, actually. Really, I, I remember so. the character Q, and I was like, "Oh yeah, let's go back into that." But I forgot this was the episode where he becomes human, yeah, right. and is stripped of all of his powers. And there is that one reoccurring motif of the floating space cloud. <laughs> oh like, yes, yes, that's that. That's my one gripe about Star Trek: Next Generation. There's always this floating space cloud. I didn't remember a, the strange amount of nudity in Star Trek, especially with Q. Yeah. He's naked a lot. John, is it John LaFrance, right? I think. Uh, it's like, Le, actually, I have it here. I think it's John LaFrance. LaVace? Vance? Something like that. Hang on. One moment. Consult his notes. Hmm. Um, oh, John DeLancey. Do, oh, DeLancey. You're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Do it. Yeah, so John John DeLancey, you know, he's great as Q. I think mm-hmm. he's like one of the best characters. I think it might have put him as one of my, later on we'll talk about it, but. Yeah. Uh, Q is like the Q episodes could be kind of hit or miss though. I mean, like sometimes they were like, oh, sweet. Q's like doing some cool ass right. shit because he's omnipotent. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, dude, this guy's omnipotent. What a petty motherfucker. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you know, he's, he's like, he's like Loki, right? right? Like mm-hmm. that's pretty much mm-hmm. what he is. But I was getting back to the whole nudity thing. I'm watching that. <laughs> And my uh, like thirteen year old daughter's watching this stuff with me, and there's just like, oh, this guy's floating there, totally naked. And I'm like, all right, yep. And then like later on, we're watching other episodes. And it's like, oh, they just rip strip Picard's clothes off, and now he's standing butt ass naked. <laughs> yeah, that's and, the uh, oh chain of command. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's a surprising amount of male nudity on this show, which I thought was just kind of like those things you don't notice when you're younger. Yeah, I never <laughs> yeah. thought about that before. Yeah, maybe it's because like in the scheme or like the whole arc of the story. 
they had spread out the nudity, but maybe we just picked the episodes where somebody. Gets <laughs> That's actually that. how I put this list. I was together. Say, yeah, Mike Google. There's like, only I saw his Google search There's history. only eight total episodes that involve any kind of nudity. <laughs> those are the ones on this list. No, for what well, all I did was um, I I got like three or there's tons of these lists online. Yeah. I got like three or four recent ones, and I cross referenced these lists to see like all right, what are to get it down to ten or fifteen where it's like okay, these episodes appear on all of these, and then from tra- that I tried to get like a good spread so that we got. You know, we got the Borg on here and we've got, you know, obviously Q. Um, I share Sean's take about Q being up and down, hit and miss. Um, he comes into the show as this like omnipotent, like he's a trickster, but he's also like menacing and yeah. like he's and, and he goes out of the show that way too. It bookends it at the end of season seven. Um He's the same way. And then there's a couple of episodes where he's a little bit like that, like the one where he shows up and he gets pissed off and he flicks him out. Uh, across the galaxy, and that's the mm. first time they meet the board. Right. But then there's these other episodes with Q that are just fucking absurd. Um, this is one of them, although I enjoy it for the entertainment value, but he's like, he's played for laughs. He's like, right. this is the comedic Bugs Bunny side of the trickster got here. And um, there's an even worse one where he like puts him into some medieval or Robin Hood type fantasy, oh. and they have to like they have to act it out in order to like be released from it or something. Uh, that's and, you know honestly, real quick little digression about some of the Star Trek tropes that are some of the worst things about this series. And I get it, I'm a I'm a Trek fan. I don't call myself a Trekkie. Mm-hmm. I'm not that devoted to a Trek adjacent. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Trek <laughs> Trekker, Trekster. I don't know. Uh, Not an aficionado, but an enthusiast. Yes. And I have to say, I think that the creator, Gene Roddenberry, is kind of like the show's worst problem, too. And there's either that or it's the limit of the budget for a broadcast network television show back in the 80s and 90s. But so many of the premises revolve around the holodeck taking them to the 30s yeah. or whatever. Or they're doing this like, oh, we're in this other like fantasy realm. And it's like. It's the original series. They do the same shit. Oh, we're going to a planet where everyone's a gangster. And we're just gonna, <laughs> yeah. gonna reuse this Hollywood set and costumes yeah. because it's cheap. Right. And that yeah. kind of stuff, I'm like, fuck, man. You go from these like big, epic, galactic stakes, like, oh, this this race that wants to completely assimilate the entire universe and make them just like them. Right. And then you go fucking Worf's wearing a Robin Hood hat. And it's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Party har har, let's yes. put the Dinky little hat on the dude with the biggest hat. Exactly. And it's been so long since I've watched Star Trek episodes that I don't already know I like. So Mm -hmm. I had I had actually forgotten how many really awful episodes there are. But when you look for these best of lists, you also come across the worst of lists. And I looked at those and I was like, Oh yeah, that was a fucking bad one. Oh yeah, that that one sucked. (laughs) Oh shit, I don't even remember that one. (laughs) <laughs> like just just to cut him a little bit of a break with seven seasons, yeah. you're gonna get some tanks. Yeah, True, plus episodes and a season. and yeah. what's weird is a lot of it is front loaded. A lot of the first two seasons are virtually unwatchable, and then it gets very consistent for a while after that. I mean, there's several seasons where almost every episode is at least decent, and and at best very very good. I, I hate to do it, but it's it's kind of when Roddenberry's not there anymore. Yeah, is it, that season three then? Because I, there, I from our so. list, there are three yeah. episodes. From season three. Yeah, so. season three and four, I think, are are generally regarded as the strongest. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't quote me on that. That's not official. But I feel yeah. like just in conversation with people, that seems to be the ones that people like. Gene Roddenberry died in 91. 
So hmm. I think right about now then go. is when, again, <laughs> the guy created it, he gave yeah. him a start. Right, he's the yeah. George Lucas, you know, and the, yeah. he created the idea, the world, you know, he gave it the style and the texture and everything. But um, It always does best when yeah. he's not the primary creative force behind it. Right, the, the quality of the writing and the character work, uh, I mean, even the production, everything was less cheesy in, in the middle to late seasons right. for sure. Yeah, and some of that may have been in response to ratings. Let's throw right. more money at the show. Maybe technology got a little bit better. That sort of thing. You yeah. Know, in terms of, because I mean, I forget how hard it must have been to make those uh, special effects back in the day. Like today, we could do that on our iPhone. Right. Pretty yeah. easy. Right. But back in the day, it took probably crews of dozens to put the glitter in the water and then, right. you know, swirl it around for the transport. Cause that was famously <laughs> how they teleported and that sort of thing. Um, but. I think one of my favorite episodes that we watched was uh, Measure of a Man, which yeah. almost like the exact opposite had no special effects with the exception of Data's hand being pulled off. Yeah, I think right. that was it. So, um, those are I, some of the best episodes. Yeah. Too, I really think the ones where they dive into like the nature of what it means to be a person, you know, they kind of, let's see, that would have been season two. Season two. Nine. Yep. So that's like 89. So it even kind of predates some of the like cyberpunk stuff right. where they're thinking about robot overlords taking us over. What's that going to be like? And what's, you know, the, um, the singularity going to be like, man, <laughs> mm. when we reach that moment. But, um, I found it really impressive how they were able to deal with data being a sentient being. The actor who plays him puzzling through it and yeah. being confused while on trial. And then Riker having those emotions of like, well, I have to prosecute him because if I don't prosecute him, he's going to lose de facto. Right. Right. But I don't want to do a good job here. So like, how do I do this? I was really impressed with the acting. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of pulled me through that episode. I, I agree. And I think that this episode um, is, is a perfect example of what, uh, you know, recently when they rebooted the franchise, JJ Abrams and all that shit, like what they missed about Star Trek is that it was always essentially more about the ideas first, like the right. special effects, right. the, the cool space battles, all that stuff was part of it. And it was there, but it was never like the main feature. I don't think anyone ever came to Star Trek, Star Trek for the action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. And um, episodes like Measure of the Man, Measure of a Man, are where the next generation, I think, really started to find itself and its voice. That's that's a very interesting episode. There's a lot of little moments in it that really make you think. Um, one of my favorites is when um, the guy who was trying to take Data apart and study him. Um, Name? Anyone remember? I don't remember the name. It, Same here. It's Bruce something or other. He, he was back later in like Picard. In Picard, not yeah. the yeah. not the actor, but the character. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, at any rate, um, when he is trying to, uh, you know, compel everyone to go along with him, and he's not understanding why they're all resisting, you know, he he actually blurts out at one point. You know, he says, "Damn it, if." Uh, data was a box on wheels i would not be getting this kind of resistance mm -hmm. and it's one of those moments where you're like oh shit he's supposed to be the bad guy in this episode but that's a really good point yeah, yeah. how much is form and how much is function like is data considered a, a sentient being by the crew members because he looks human it's recognizable and he's not foreign to them you know if he was a box mm -hmm. on wheels or a toaster you know but he essentially had this everything else is the same uh, he just didn't look human what then? You know, they make a comment too about the uh, the computers um, or the Enterprise's computer. I was just you know? about to bring that up. Yeah, because yeah. they speak to her at it. They speak to it 
as if it were a person and they were the ship responds right. better than my phone responds oh, so yeah. like you know <laughs> it's interesting that uh oh shit where is i going with that fuck there's just too much to talk about it's yeah like, it's mm-hmm. all swirling around but it's gonna be like three casts yeah geez it could be the uh you know data is one of those characters who's just his arc that goes across the entire series going into the movies and beyond because it's like, you know, you talk about the episodic nature, how every single week in, week out was pretty much its own self-contained story. This is before Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. all those kinds of like ser- like the TV where they tell the long form cinematic story. It, it They would have like repercussions that would be revisited down the road, like the, the Borg and all that. And I think one of the most interesting threads throughout all of it was Data's search for trying to become more human mm-hmm. and trying to reconcile that. And kind of linking back to the first one you brought up on how... Q gives him a moment of laughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's his parting gift. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like that uh, idea of, well, he's achieved some understanding of humanity and then they go and they sort of, you know, then they defend his right to exist as a sentient being. Right. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably the most uh, humanistic part of the entire series because I know Picard recognizes that in the new series and they went back to, that was the whole first season, right? It was about, his relationship with data. Yeah. That was all there. He was showing up in his dreams and yeah. just the, the ended nature up, of being alive. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to revisit Picard or to visit Picard. That would be, yeah, not so much. Well, it's, I mean, if you're a big Trek fan, it's worth watching. I thought yeah. it started very promisingly. It and does, I, yeah. I think it just fell off a cliff by the uh, end. And um, it's it absurd. I've heard mixed things about season two. I haven't watched it yet. I will watch it. And uh, most of the original cast from the next generation will be back for season three. Wow. Which I don't care how bad the writing is. I'll fucking it's, watch yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be there for it. <laughs> but That's are they going to cool. bring back Tom Riker? Oh, from, uh, what was that? The, uh, the transporter accident, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. Real quick, again, another digression. Fucking transporter. Okay. Yeah. So all the times the transporter plays a role in whatever premise they're trying to go mm-hmm. for, like, oh, get Riker's, him off the planet. Yeah. So let's not even get into the whole thing. Like you're basically killing the person and reconstructing right. a, like a yeah. new version of them right. out of memory. It, that That's a whole other existential. We could go on yep. for several casts <laughs> about that. That's our spinoff cast. Philosophers of the old Republic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the fucking, like, oh, well, we got to find a way to to get Jonathan Frakes in this episode twice because maybe he needs to make some kind of, like, extra money or something. Whatever. Contractually, <laughs> he's he needs 45 minutes of airtime. Right, we need an evil yeah. twin episode. So we're going to have him be like a transporter buffer air. And we've got this copy of him that's existed in the transporter forever. What the fuck? And he just gets to live a life like normal? Like, oh, he's this new Riker who has a rank in Starfleet and he gets trained? Like, what is that? And then, like, the one with, uh, when they brought back uh, James Doohan there as uh, Scotty, right? And it's oh, like, yeah, oh, so yeah. well, how do we get old Trek members from a couple hundred years ago in canon onto the series now? And I love that episode with the Dyson yeah. Sphere and that oh, yeah. whole thing is super cool and Jordan right. gets a moment. But it's like, oh, he was stuck in the transporter for a long time. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. What is that? But dude, that it's episode not, is my nightmare. That yeah. episode is frustrating as shit to me because it's like it's a fucking Dyson sphere. Yes. You know what I mean? And you're like, that's fucking awesome. Yes. Who built that? Like, what is going on there? Well, the ship's going into it, right? And it's like, yeah. whoa! But then they just yeah. fucking leave it. They never yeah. answer it. You don't yeah. like. Yeah. You don't know why it was built. Who's doing well, anything dis- with it? What it's doing? Like scientific, because uh, <laughs> yeah. well, they're just there as the advance, or whatever, and then they're right. moving on. That's another thing I never discussed, right? They're in the Alpha Quadrant, correct? Yeah. Where the mm-hmm. Federation is uh, centered around Earth and, and Vulcan and all that. And that's sort of like the core of the Federation. 
And they're like explain exploring or blah, 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 exploring strange new worlds and new civilizations. You know, like the whole thing the that they to go where no man has no, ever. No one has no gone. One. That's the one correction Sorry. at TNG made, by the way. Anyway, yeah. and they're doing all of this, but it's like, oh, they can get back to Earth super quick. Like, yeah. what are yeah. they exploring? Like, wouldn't this stuff all be mapped? Wouldn't it all be like, like? Like, I mean, it's uh, it's 2023, uh, and we still don't, like, know all of the ocean. Yeah, but, like, where's so... a Dyson Sphere, like, coming out of nowhere? Like, <laughs> oh, we were just happened to be zipping by, and this star system-wide giant yeah. construction just happened to catch us because we heard a distress signal. Like, you wouldn't have noticed this on a telescope or something? Like... It's essentially <laughs> the floating space cloud, yes! just in a physical thing. You're right. That That's kind of one of the, I mean, it's an extension <laughs> of the trope. Oh, do-do-do-do-do, here we are on a road trip. Oh, shit, big thing in space. Yeah, yeah. And space is huge. Like, they always talk about, like, oh, yeah. we're going into this nebula. Sorry, nebula's up close. You can't see the particles like that. It doesn't yeah. work that way. It's just... <laughs> it is funny how many times they get saved by the nebula. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Although, we'll say that one episode with, like, that space face thing that shows up in the cloud, like, it's, like, just, like, lips yeah. and oh, eyes. That yeah. thing gave me fucking nightmares. Yeah, that was oh, terrifying. Sure. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> Speaking of space clouds... We can go to yesterday's Enterprise, which essentially starts with the space cloud, yep. ends with the space cloud. That's a great episode. It really, I really enjoyed that one. I thought that the way they dealt with the paradox of time was, I don't know if it was maybe novel is the right word, but I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's yeah. why I like Back to the Future so much, but. Uh, time paradoxes always get me. Like I'm an automatic yes for an episode like that. That's a trick trope too. Like there's yeah, gotta be like is. one or two per season of a time paradox. Yeah, also there's a bunch. way to get Denise Crosby back on the show. Right. Well, yeah. Well, there was that too. Um, but there's a bunch of yeah. They in one of the movies they go back in time to fight the Borg. Yeah. The Borg actually try to take over humanity by going back in time to when humanity can't resist them. Yeah. What was that? Um, there's one where they end up in like the 1800s or something, and they meet fucking Mark Twain of all people, and um, then they have uh, Data's head gets left behind, like it gets buried, and they end up like redigging it up later yeah, on. It wasn't on the holodeck, was it? No, that that actually happened, and then. Uh, <laughs> But to circle back to this one, this is um, notable for being Quentin Tarantino's favorite Star Trek episode. Really? He's talked about it numerous times in interviews, and there was some rumor for a while that he was going to do a Star Trek movie. Um, And there was no indication that he was going to do this episode as his movie, but that's what all the chatter was. It's like, oh, he loves that episode. Is he going to turn that into a movie? You can imagine what a a Tarantino Star Trek movie would look like. It would be fucking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Put those fuckers on the screen right now, motherfucker. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart (laughs) said he would want to be in that shit. (laughs) I would pay to see that in IMAX. Patrick Stewart, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Put a phaser in that motherfucker's hand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um but yeah it, it, it is a fantastic episode um does he look like a bitch <laughs> <laughs> then why are you trying to fuck him like a bitch <laughs> all right i gotta i gotta take a time out here guys yeah is this uh delicious crispy yeah. hot pocket it's getting cold that mike has supplied us is just <laughs> staring me in the face yeah. so here's some asmr for you that sounded crispy. I will tell you though, we did break with '90s canon and used an air fryer. To we make did. Too. <laughs> We're gonna use the crisper pocket and BPA the hell out of myself in a little bit. I did uh, not mercilessly burn my tongue, so hey, did a good job. We've also right. got uh, combos and cheese balls. We got a full '90s spread for this evening for our so. '90s nerdgasm. We are Thank so you, Mike. Set. I really appreciate yeah. it. 
No, I think this was easy compared to half the shit we do. Uh, yeah, walked we, into tops and I was like, we did some extra shit sometimes. <laughs> 3.99 later, Mike walked out with a full meal. And you know what? That's why the 90s were great. Is yeah. that why we had a surplus as a country? Because all the food was processed Just and it was awful. cheap as fuck. <laughs> all right, so what have we not covered yet? We got some. Um, uh, best of both worlds yeah, yeah. and chain of command and inner light. Okay, those are uh, those are three of the best. Well, um, yeah, kind of kind of did that on purpose. Let's do inner yeah. light. All right. Okay. Go ahead. So inner light um, is is uh, an episode that as I was rewatching it, I was actually struck because I remember it as being one of the best and as uh, a very interesting story and a great Patrick Stewart performance. Right. As I was watching it, I was struck on how like actually three quarters of it is is. I don't want to say pedestrian, but it's it's not great. It wouldn't stand out to you. It's a it's a fairly by the numbers episode. Like okay, he's he's in this um, like simulation. It's not really a simulation, but it's like this thing that he's been trapped in, and he's living this entire life. And they're trying to figure out how to get him out of it. It's really the final ten minutes that sell this whole thing. It's that moment when you see him as old Picard and he's yeah. got his grandchild and he's playing with them and then he's bemoaning the fact that they won't live a full life because their world is dying and they're like, oh, come on out and watch us launch this rocket or whatever. And he's like, what rocket? And then they're like, you know, you've seen it before. And like his friend is there suddenly and yeah. he's young again. And then his wife is there and she's young again. And that's when Patrick Stewart like gets emotional. Mm-hmm. And that's when the episode suddenly gets really fucking heavy. And then he wakes up on the bridge and yeah. it's, it is the most like reserved but powerful performance because Patrick Stewart doesn't actually outwardly emote. He lets his face and his eyes do all the talking, like the struggle as he's walking around in his yeah. quarters, trying to yeah. grapple with all of this, trying to like be the professional commanding Picard. But while he's choking back, like everything that he's dealt with, when he plays that flute at the end of the oh, episode, yeah. it is devastating. Devastating. <laughs> that alone should have made him Sir Patrick Stewart. Exactly. Man, yeah. That character had yeah. absorbed so much psychological trauma over the seven seasons of this show. To have lived a full life right. in 20 minutes and then, oh, wait, no. You're, that none of that counts. Yeah. <laughs> none of those <laughs> relationships. None of that. Like everything that you had built up, all the pathos of that time is meaningless, basically. Right. You know. So oh. this was the only episode I did some research on because I like the ending is just so powerful. I was like, hey, I need to read more about this. And the guy who wrote the script um, talked about how uh, he he wrote two scripts that became Star Trek episodes. Both were Picard focused. And both of them, his goal was to bring out something of the Picard character that you normally don't get to see. Um, So in this episode, it was um, Picard the family man. Picard not the captain of the Enterprise and all that. Um, And then in the other one, I don't know if you guys remember the episode where he's the last one on the Enterprise. It's supposed to be getting like a refit or something. And then it turns out this crew that goes on is actually trying to like steal weapons or some shit. And Picard has to like fucking stay behind and like fight them all one by one. And like he's in the Jeffrey's tubes and all this shit. So uh, he wrote that episode too. And he said he was trying to bring out like, oh, this is the warrior side of Picard and everything. So I thought all that was cool. But he also, um, back to the point you were making before, uh, he said he, he found it very jarring when they didn't bring back the inner light stuff at all in the show. Yeah. They said like, they never showed Picard having to grapple with that again. And next week he was just walking around doing his job. I was just reading an article about, I guess, uh, 
one of the comic imprints does an ongoing Star Trek, and they're actually addressing that. Like, Picard's character, he never was able to completely get over it, I guess. And they're talking Mm -hmm. about how that still plays a role in his thinking and his life and that that whole point. I was... As I was watching, I was thinking, what would have made this episode so much better? And imagine if you can for a second. We don't get the prologue stuff at all. It's just Picard waking up on this planet after being sick and then launching into this whole thing. We don't get any of the crew, none of that. It's just Picard on this planet trying to figure out what the hell is going on and then aging into it and finally accepting it. Yeah. And then at the end, bam, then it hits him yeah. and he wakes up on the bridge. And then they give us like the... That would have been cool. That would have been so much more impactful because I think some of the best Trek episodes are the ones where they just toss you into it mm-hmm. with absolutely zero explanation. You hit the ground right. running, yeah. and then through the process of the story, you kind of figure it out. But I think it was a missed opportunity. It's still a great episode. But. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, it kind of speaks to the episodic nature of sitcoms isn't the right word, but you know, running TV shows in the 90s was you would get maybe some ripples from different episodes that would affect later on, but essentially was meant to be like one and done watch TV for most of it. Maybe that's why Star Trek next generation is so um, prescient is that it didn't always do that, but it didn't always also carry on those things forward. It was like sort of breaking that expectation. They they referenced this in a great Futurama episode where, um, this show that is broadcast from our time, modern times when Fry, you know, is born, mm-hmm. uh, is being broadcast across space and not arriving till a thousand years later. And these aliens are watching it and then the show gets canceled. So they show up at earth a thousand years in the future yeah. to demand that they finish the show. And Fry's the only one who knows how to write this kind of fiction. And he bring, they bring up all these writing tropes of 90 sci-fi like that one at the end of every episode, every, the one rule is everything, no matter what shit went wrong, everything has to be perfectly back to normal. <laughs> everything <the> recessed. <laughs> yep. Yep. When we get to the next cast, that's actually one of the things that one of my picks like that's actually what caused one of my picks to be off the air. Mm. Um, because the actors were real pissed about it. So there's really? a little teaser for next. It's next a good episode. segue into the best of both worlds too if you want to hit yeah. that one next. Yeah, Absolutely. let's let's get there too because we're running right about forty one minutes. Oh so. wow man, we got a lot I know, to do. right? Like we <laughs> could easily do we haven't even gotten to the nope. Nerds of the Old Republic Awards. The track awards coming up. Yep. Well, I think Best of Both Worlds is like, it is what saved Star Trek. I think everyone really knows that story about how they weren't sure it was coming back after that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I think it was because of the cliffhanger that they decided to give it another go. And obviously it finished its run on its own terms, but... Yeah, I mean, it had three more seasons after that. Right, but that was like the, um, like that was the, I remember watching that like live when it first came out and be like, oh, oh, fuck, no, yeah, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. And just like my, everybody in my house, like we were all watching it and right. everyone just like, everyone's looking at each other stunned like, what? We have to wait like to find out and we didn't know if we were going to find <laughs> out and it was like, just that part where Riker's like, fire. And right. Like, and it's like, yeah. they're going to kill Picard. Which, yeah. by the way, is like the most disappointing comeback yes. ever. Because then it's like, yeah. uh, then it's like, you are you come back and it's, you've been waiting God knows how many months. And it's like, oh, it, uh, it didn't work. And he's like, oh, all right, let's figure something else out. Yeah. That's it. That's what you waited for months. But that moment leading up to that, when he says fire, when Picard first appears on screen oh, and yeah. he's like, you know, oh, I yeah. am the cutest of Borg. I love you know, like, he is a Borg. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's all emotional. Yeah, yeah and he couldn't bring him back. He's not it. supposed to be. Oh emotional. my god! But that was one of the great moments of the show when Picard first appeared as Lacutus and yes. said, that. "Man, this poor man and his trauma." Like oh, the god, the last yeah. episode and now Lacutus. That and one keeps coming back. They that keep does come back. Yeah. Like over and over yeah, again. That does. But just like Riker, like him taking control and just you're thinking like, "Oh, they're going to set him up to be the next captain of the Enterprise because right. technically yeah. he is." And it's like, no, he's got to kill the dude because that's the only thing he can right. do at that point. Because the Borg just is this unstoppable force of awesome. Right. Forget for a second that they're, like, really poorly costumed. Right. Like, well, even uh, in the 90s, you're thinking nine, about it, yeah. like, oh, it was menacing. But, like, you yeah. look at it now, you're like, oh, it's a bunch of, like, leather daddies. Right, it's right, like, right. I've got some worse shows to bring up in the next episode. <laughs> uh, stay tuned, kids. Yeah. But the, uh, the Borg is what, and I know I'm not alone, because, honestly, they've become the reoccurring big bad of all of Star Trek. Now. Right. Yeah, and I think I think I really understand why, because of Star Trek's... The next generation's draw is the the pathos of humanity, mm. and you know, going back to the other episodes we talked about, then the Borg are the antithesis of the next generation. They are the yeah. anti-humanity. Right, exactly. Force. Great point. Well, and every every race has like its own like thing that defines them. You know, yeah. the Ferengi are like disgusting merchants, yeah. and like the Klingons are warriors, and. The Cardassians are... are, are the, I had the same moment Sean just yeah. had when we went over Cardassian. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. The Cardassians are sort of like warriors, but there's like this tragic backstory where they yeah. used to be peaceful. And the yeah. Romulans are like, it's all like espionage and spy shit. Yeah. And the Borg are like, of all of that shit, by far the most terrifying because they're like this collective of yeah. hive minds, which... I think resonates a lot more now in 2023 oh, than yeah. it did oh, back in the 90s. You know, it's a super cool concept. It's right. so fresh. Yeah. It's so. Uh, I know. I'm sure it's not totally original, but just the idea, the way they portrayed it, is fantastic. Yeah. It's like Grey Goo, but like personified. Right. You know, like yeah. this idea of this, like a singularity of just this ever expanding thing, civilization, right. whatever you want to call it. That will completely encompass everybody. And how do you stop? Them? And and yeah. and for which your only use is like what you can contribute. Like what is your unique likeness that you can right. contribute to their collective right. hive? And even their dialogue is fucking iconic. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, resistance is resistance is futile. Then everything that you say to them is irrelevant. Yeah. Like they're just you know they're like uh, justice is irrelevant. Like resistance irrelevant. is irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. it's will be fucking great. Number one. Yeah, keeps doing that to That was the best. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that man. shit is fantastic. They were a great antagonist. But, but, being the guy I am, I got to point out a couple of things that I noticed as I was watching this again. So they can beam out of their ship at will, right? Like none of their none of their electrostatic fields or anything matter. They can just beam right through that mm-hmm. shit, and yep. then they'll just ignore them. So why wouldn't you just beam all of your fucking proton torpedoes right into the center of the ship and then detonate them? Right? They had a chance There's to do that. There's always a plot hole. Yeah, but there's always, always like that, like, oh, we don't know what to do. We can't stop yeah. the beam your fucking bombs in there, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. like, no, what is it we're going to Independence Day this shit and have Data hack this guy. <laughs> then send a virus in. Oh, Data. <laughs> Sorry, Data. That's what uh, Data. Doctor, uh, the, the random doctor, the one who was there for like one season. That's because Gates yeah. McFadden uh, yeah. was like unhappy with the showrunners or something. So they got yeah. this woman who was an old cast member from the original oh was she uh, she was on like an episode or something oh, I yeah know. i mean not a standard but yeah. i remember when they switched and i was like what the fuck is this uh, they, yeah. they tried to write it into the story too yeah. and then they brought they brought crusher back because yeah. there was always that sexual tension with yep. the card which mm-hmm. no i'm here for the redheads yeah <laughs> not adam but you know yeah well i mean that's fine it's always understood. <laughs> yeah. 
So last point I want to make about this episode, though, is um, it it was one of the first times, too, where the show got really, really complex in terms of the writing, not just the ideas, Mm. but the writing, because there's a lot of shit happening there. Like the Borg thing is like the main plot. Then the Picard thing is the cutest. That's another Mm. plot. Then you've got like this whole uh, thing about like who Riker's going to be and is he going to take over another ship and and she shows up and she's like you're in my way and I want your job and so like that's a whole other plot right there yeah Yeah, there was a lot of shit happening in that episode and the saucer section decouples from the (laughs) other part oh Oh, my gosh yeah the battle bridge that shit's always good it's happened like three times I think in the whole series every time it does you just your your fucking jaw drops but that's one thing you're not supposed to think about is there's like hundreds if not thousands of people on that ship yeah. who are just families. the families and yeah. shit, right? Yeah. And they constantly put themselves in danger of being destroyed mm-hmm. completely. Well, like every it. episode. They actually mentioned how the Galaxy class was a new idea and they're like a paramilitary kind of, like they're right. military, but yeah. they're also explorers and they thought it would be better for morale if they had their families with them. Right. So there's kindergartens, there's Yeah, schools, there's always all kids running yeah. around. Yeah. And like, especially shit. the starts of episodes where there's credits rolling through and stuff like that. You'd yeah. see kids running right. through the halls. Well, that's, it's that. one thing that I always, you know, I never thought thought about it when I was a kid, but I realized now in retrospect, another thing I really liked about that show was just the general set. It's so different from yeah. any mm-hmm. other sci-fi set. When they're on the bridge of the Enterprise, they don't look like they're on a spaceship. They look like they're in like a 90s living room. Yeah. You know I what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think the armchairs and the carpet, yeah. especially. And, and the bright lights, like yeah. it's it's not like a like a dim like battle bridge. But you the know? battle bridge is always the very like bridge. business. It looks like the spaceship, I, yeah. I love the control panels on everything too. Like yeah. that to me was like, oh, they're all yeah. touch screens right. and all. Like that was always so cool. And, like, and the, it, like the swoopy nature of yes. the buttons and everything because they always started off fat and then kind of got like retro 60s <laughs> right. thing yes. at the end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If so, we got, I know we're running out of time, but I we guess, are. I don't know what we're gonna want to do here. We're at fifty. Just a real quick thing about Chain of Command is that uh, there's a great 1984 reference. I don't know if you guys caught it. And he's like, "How I many like so. how many lights do you see?" It's yeah. like, "How many fingers oh, am I holding up, Winston?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's there are four lights. And again, Picard, psychologically yeah. traumatized right. and broken by this. Tortured. Yep. Yeah, by yeah. this Cardassian, Car- not Kardashian. He tells yeah. Troy at the end of that episode that he had. Not only was he going to tell him five lights because he wanted the pain to go away, but that he had actually convinced himself that he did see five yeah. lights. You know, yeah, they wow. actually broke him. There's some serious trauma. Yeah. Um, I'll have more to say on that when we get to the Trek Awards, so I'll, I'll save anything else in that episode. But that was another um, just outstanding Patrick Stewart performance. It's okay. Oh, I'll, I'll just cut a bunch of your comments out. We'll, That's we'll fine. It. <laughs> it, it's really all cannon fodder, so it's all good. It's all we'll good. figure it out. Hey, yeah. it's a little longer, guys. It was a bonus episode. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm jumbo size, like we the could... old comics. We're talking oh. about the next generation here. It's, it's all right. There's a shit to talk about. I guess now... Your life as it has been is over.